You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Oh, good morning. You know, one of, one of the things I am super thankful for is I am thankful for you as a church congregation. It's just fun to be connected with you and to share with you life and, and all the things that we do. And my name is Mike, one of the pastors here, and so, so glad that you could be here on this wonderful Sunday as we gather together. Did all of you get uh, your little finger light? Did all of you get that? Did, you didn't get your finger light? Hey, ushers, can you make sure everybody, everybody needs one of these? Don't play with them now. You know, turning forward is on, turning back is off, put it off. And you can put it around your finger like this. It has to do with something we're going to talk about this morning. So hang on to those. And, you know, like I said, don't play with them now. So everybody's going like, yeah. Uh, anyways, we'll get to that in a moment. But glad you're there. You know, I, I said the first service, I should have come with instructions. <laughs> um, but I don't read instructions anyway. I just need pictures. So, But how many of you have stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon and seeing the splendor and the grandeur of that place. And you marvel at the magnificence of God. Isn't that a beautiful place? What about the beauty, the, the beautiful array of colors of, of the wildflowers and, and that real life canvas of a mountain backdrop exploding forth with incredible high definition colors radiating the brilliance of God? What about the night sky? As we move away from the city lights and they burst forth with a cascade of light, each a named star, some in constellations, some galaxies, some brighter, most twinkling in the vast beyond that is mind blowing to attempt to comprehend. And yet we stand in awe, giving glory to God. The psalmist uh, said this in Psalm 148, verses 1 to 6, when he said, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and the waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of Yahweh. For he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. And he gave a decree and it shall not pass. King David from the Bible looked up and observed that scene and said in Psalm 19 verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The glory of God. The glory of God seen around us, the manifest presence of God, seen, experienced, felt, where we stand in reverence, in mystery, in awe of the grandeur of all of who God is. God's glory was the cloud that encompassed Mount Sinai, that Moses went up to meet with God. That's found in Exodus chapter 24, verses 16 to 19. God's glory was the pillar of, of fire and the, and the pillar of cloud that, that guided and comforted and, and guided and led God's people, protecting them as they escaped from slavery, found in Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 to 22. The glory of God was the, the mist 
that filled uh, the, the, the tabernacle in the wilderness. Exodus 40, verse 34 and, and 38 talk about that. And the mysterious fog experienced in the, in the Jerusalem temple. Matter of fact, it was so thick in the Jerusalem temple at one time that in 2 Chronicles 5, verses 13 and 14, explained they couldn't even do worship there. It was so cloudy with the glory of God. All the noticeable presence of God, where we marvel at his greatness, where our eyes widen at the splendor of his majesty, where we're held captive at both the fear-giving power of God and yet the tender, loving kindness of himself at the same time. Amazed at the great expanse of his might, his strength, his vastness, his limitlessness and sovereignty, where we come to the realization that he is greater than I. How many of you have seen that little symbol that's in the corner of the slide there? It's on your on your uh, worship page, your, your outline page there. How many of you have seen that key and then a little like, it looks like a weird backwards K or something like that? Have you seen that? Seen on bumper stickers and on surfboards, and some have T-shirts, hats, sunglasses. Well, that was a a, a symbol that was uh, created by a couple of surfers. Uh, they wanted to express the glory of God, and so they, they they said, "Well, let's just write the word He, H E, and then the the greater than symbol." That's you know that you know the greater than, less than symbols. You guys all know those. <laughs> I, I hope so. Remember, <clears throat> back in school, I know it was a long time ago. <laughs> Uh, but he is greater than, and it's a little eye to represent the humility there. And these guys just wanted to express the glory of God. For one of the greatest expressions of the glory of God is the, is to proclaim that he is greater than I. That he is greater than me. See, as, as we have been talking through this teaching series, this Sola series, we're seeing some glory of God in the room, aren't you seeing? It's kind of smoggy and uh, that's planned. Just so you know, don't worry. It's just the glory of God filling the place and the smoke machine working. So, or kind of working, but I was even talking about this series, the, 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 the Sola series. We've been talking that we have a problem. Now, I know the person next to you has a really big problem, but we have a problem too. We all have problem and this problem is called sin and, and each one of us is part of our DNA and the, and the issue with sin is that it's all on every one of us, not a single one of us is exempt from this, and that sin has a nasty effect on us. We've talked about this quite a bit, that, that it stops us from really feeling the potential that God has for us. It, it shuts us out of a relationship with God, and it keeps us from heaven. And it constantly pulls us down. It constantly influences us. And we have this sin problem. And it's heaped great shame and great guilt on us. It's it's an overpowering pull on us, and it and it and it it, it 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 stops us and it and it shames us. And yet, to break this pull, to bring us back to honor, and to cancel our sin debt, we have been given by grace, not something we earned or deserved. By grace, a gift that we could not earn or deserve, and that gift was the great release of our sin by what Jesus did on the cross. He paid the penalty for us in the cross and canceled out our sin debt. And God hands us that gift. And we looked at that as sola gratia, 
by grace alone. It's not anything we do. It's not we don't earn it or we don't deserve it. It just simply is given by God by grace. And we receive it by faith. We talked about that at sola fide, by faith alone. God initiated this gift, and we, by faith, took and receive it. Now, each Sunday that I have been speaking, I've been giving out a Starbucks gift card. I've got another, one of my last ones, Starbucks gift card that I would like to give to somebody. I've initiated it. Who would like it? What? You, Doris, you would like it? Well, I would say you come up here and get this, but since you can't get it, I'm, well, you, you're going to come. That's right. <clears throat> this is for you, Doris. Thank you for, for doing that. God bless you. <laughs> uh, you can turn to your seat, but it, it, it's, the, the, I initiated the gift, right? Uh, and, and, and it wasn't something that Doris earned or received or, 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 or uh, worked for. And, and, and I think she deserves a lot, so I would give it to her anyways. But but she, she didn't earn it or deserve it. I just simply initiated it. And she, by faith, said, yes, I want it. And she even got up after her with, with her leg brace and everything to come receive it. And see, that's the same way it is with God. God offers us this amazing reality of releasing us from the issue of our sins. It's a gift. He says, here it is. And all we have to do is get up in faith and respond to his initiation and take it sola fide by faith alone. You don't earn salvation. It doesn't just get bestowed on you. You have to actually take that step of faith to get it. Does that make sense? It's by faith alone. And I encourage you. I know most of you have come and taken that, received that. If you haven't yet, boy, Work at that. I mean, work at that, but learn how to do that and take that step of faith and come talk to me. We'll, we'll, we'll chat about that. This gift that God has given us is that Christ has dealt with our sin. In other words, we have a now a right standing in Christ. Solus Christus. In Christ alone. It's nothing that we do. It's all because of what Christ did. Where Christ has broken the chains of the power of sin, given us his covering of honor, paying our sin debt, where we are now in Christ. We've been adopted into Christ's family. And I love how 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 say about our now new position in Christ. For by you, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Yes, give glory to God. Nothing we earned, not we don't deserve it, but God has simply given us this gift. Now when we receive that gift to be part and adopted into his family, and that's glorious. And that should be our life's aim, to glorify God and enjoy him forever to understand our great need of him, that we are sinful and need a savior, and to celebrate, to praise, and to adore his enormity, to bear fruit that reveals his significance, and to live in such a way that we demonstrate his prominence in our life, that he is greater than I. For seeking the glory of God alone keeps him greater than I. Yet the problem is, sin still has an influence. Even though we may have come to that that step of faith, uh, sin still influences us. Isn't that so? Someone says right away, yes. 
It's true. I would say that right away as well. Sin continues to influence us, and we tend to be glory hogs, where I is greater than he, or where he is less than I. And that capital I there, where we are prominent, it's so easy for us to elevate our own greatness, making sure that we're prominent. That's exactly where the Corinthian church was. Uh, from the time of Jesus, as, as he roused his disciples and they began to start moving out with this message of, of, of God's grace, this gift that people to receive by faith, churches began to form all over the place. There was one in the city of Corinth. And the apostle Paul writes them a letter because they're having an issue with sin. Sin has crept into the church. And now uh, people are seeking the glory of themselves and not God. Church leaders are seeking power, not God. They're seeking power of influence and prosperity. And the understanding of God became exclusionary. They were condoning sinfulness. They were unwilling to reflect God's glory in relationships, choosing to ignore the majesty and the authority of God. And Paul exhorts them with this one central truth in uh, the letter of Corinthians, in Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 to 31, it says this. This is the answer to their sin problem. This is the answer the issue. Obviously, it's Jesus, but it's, here's what they need to do to keep themselves from being influenced by sin. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Not self. Make sure that he is greater than I. And the truth is we continue to need this challenge, for sin's pull is always out there. And as the church began to grow from Corinth and, and began to develop all around Europe, and, and, and about 500 years ago, sins had worked its sinister influence. And 500 years ago, the church became, again, about the glory of people. And again, church leaders were seeking the glory of power and influence and prosperity. And that understanding of God became exclusionary. And they began to use fear and intimidation and coercion to control people. That was the church. Fortunately, it sounds a little bit like today's church. A little, a little bit. And then along came, 500 years ago, a simple monk named Martin Luther, who had studied the Bible and saw the, the stark difference between what was being studied in the Bible as he was studying God's word and what was being lived out every day in the church. And so he wrote his 95 issues, theses, and nailed them to a church door saying, this is the issue with the church. And one of those conclusions was the same as the Apostle Paul, that in whatever we do, we are to do all to the glory of God to live where he is greater than I. Soli Deo Gloria. Seeking the glory of God alone keeps him greater than I. So the question comes, what is the glory of God and how do we seek to do all to the glory of God? This morning we're going to 
look at four ways to live for God's glory. We're going to bounce around a bunch of scriptures. And so I want to encourage you to take out your Bibles. And I'm asking our ushers to grab the Bibles and come down. And if you want to borrow a Bible this morning, you can do that. I'm not going to have you turn every place, but I want you to get used to turning that. So come down and grab the Bible. Some will be on the screen here. Some will be in your Bibles. You can take that Bible. But I want us to get into this study. And so as the Bibles are coming out, if you wouldn't mind standing, let's pray and ask God to challenge us. Father God, thank you for uh, your word. Lord, this amazing scripture that we turn to, that we look into, and it reveals who you are. Just learned about it last week, about the importance of scripture in our life. And God, I, I pray that as we delve into your word this morning, that your Holy Spirit will use it to challenge us to know how we can best give you glory in our life. Teach us, challenge us, and use this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat, and I encourage you to... Uh, uh, Take out of your worship folder that Annie talked about, this uh, outline in here. There's some places to take notes. The answers will be up on the screen. I also encourage you to, at the end of the service, pick up a uh, study guide. We have this in the back lobby area. The uh, All the verses that I mentioned are be, will be on the back, and then there's some study guide for a lot of our small groups. Some of our small groups are taking a little bit of break during the holidays, but you can still use this for personal study. And I encourage you to uh, go ahead and go through that, and it's a really great opportunity for you to do that. But four ways to live for God's glory. The first is to constantly confess sin. Sin has pushed us away from the glory of God. Some of you know this verse in Romans 3.23, where it says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, we were created to express God's glory, but because of our sin, it's now hidden. It's now not shining out from us. Isaiah 43, verse 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I, God, created for my glory, whom I have formed and made. See, we are image bearers of God. Our job is to make the invisible God visible. To mirror and mimic the light of who God is in our world. And yet, like a a flashlight with no power, it's hard to show God's glory when it's not turned on, when it's not flipped on. And this is how we are before we come to Christ. We've been created to reflect and shine out God's glory, but no one's flipped the switch. When we come to faith in Christ, we say, I believe in God. I have taken that step of faith like Doris getting that Starbucks card. I'm taking a step, that fi- a step of faith. I know that I'm covered in Christ the light turns on. Can you guys see this light? Is it bright enough for you? Yeah, it's kind of blinding you. It's because the light's there. It's it's on. It's doing what it was created to do, to shine out the light. And it's fun to have a flashlight. Just like you who are playing with your little lights right now, which you're not supposed to. They'll come a time, just be patient. I know you want to play with that right. The light's supposed to shine. We were created to shine out God's glory. It's not something we have to, oh, yeah, boom, push it out. It's already there. It's our design. It's not like we got to go, i got to learn how to give glory to God. We need to get rid of the sin that covers us. But, we, but yes, it's already there. It's our potential. We were created to reflect the glory of God. Not the glory of self. <laughs> the glory of God. That was our design. 
is to create, is to reflect God's glory. And we initially confess our need for Jesus. The light is flipped on. It's, it's that outward radiance of the intrinsic beauty of the greatness of the God's abundant perfections. You want a definition of glory? That's it. The outward radiance of the intrinsic beauty of the greatness of the radiant, the greatness of the God's abundant perfections, where he radiates out. That's the glory of God. And when we come to Christ, it's there. The light is flipped on. It's there. It's natural. And if it hasn't flipped on in your life, boy, look into that. But yet sin continues to influence us in life. It can never turn out the light. But the problem with sin is that it clouds the light and it darkens the light. You can see the light's still on, can't you? But just barely. It's still on bright. It had, the light hasn't changed. But what's changed is the covering. It's the influence of sin in our life. See, God never leaves us or forsakes us. Once you become a believer, the light is still on. But when we sin, it darkens the light, and it the light is dim, and it doesn't show, and we're covered. And how we deal with this covering of the light is to confess. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To confess is to notice. Does anybody notice that this light is covered? Say yes. Yeah, it's covered. It really is. Well, that's you have just confessed that the light is covered. That's what confession is. God, this issue of gossip, this issue of pornography, this issue of, of, of hatred, this issue of not doing what you call me to do, this issue of, of lying and cheating and stealing. I get that. Yes, it, it's, I confess it. And when we confess it, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and the light shines. You need to confess. Confession brings glory to God. It lets his light shine. And as the early church did, they brought up and they publicly confessed their sin. And so I've asked a, a Foraker Smith, uh, one of our former elders, but really once an elder, always an elder, uh, has come up to lead us in a time of corporate confession. And so if you wouldn't mind uh, uh, bowing your head and, and, and listening and participating in this corporate confession. Lord of Lords, King of Kings, we at Cypress Church pray, we read scripture and we follow and involve ourselves in fellowship as a corporate body. Our purpose, Lord, is to walk in your holy light and to praise your holy name. But we have to confess that our human nature keeps us from the spiritual development and the Christian character that we want so badly. The result is we reluctantly end up 
against some of your commandments, but even at war with you, Lord. Our corporate character, our Christian character, is is beseeched by the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. We know that the pride of life involves the idols of arrogance, showing off self-pride, boasting, and belief in half-truths where there is no objective evidence to bear it out. The lust of the eyes puts us in a position where we desire sin over godliness, where we desire self-love over God's love, worldly values over Christian virtue, worldly knowledge over spiritual wisdom. And when we work to overcome that, we are then faced with the lust of the flesh, the idols where physical needs overcome self-control, where anxiety trumps patience, where self-love is sought instead of brotherly kindness. We beseech you, O Lord, as a corporate body today, that you will allow your righteousness to flow and rain down on us in unadulterated truth and forgiveness. Deliver us from sin. Give us your mercy and grace, O Lord, so that the dried sin on our minds, on our hearts, and on our souls can be washed away. Give us the common sense and the insight, Lord Jesus, to put on your full spiritual armor, the helmet of salvation to protect our mind, the breastplate of righteousness to protect our heart, the shield of faith to protect us against false philosophy and deception, the belt of truth to protect us from Satan's lies, the gospel of the shoes of peace so that we may spread your word. And, O Lord, the most audacious and offensive weapon known to man in earth and in heaven, the sword of the Spirit, your holy word. Then, Lord, give us the strength to use this armor to stand boldly, to stand our ground at Cyprus Church for your glory against the prince of this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Keep in a moment of prayer, heads bowed and eyes closed, and just take a moment, maybe some of the words that God gave to Forker to lead us in prayer, maybe sparked a, a personal issue that you, God is pointing out to you and says, see this? I need you to confess this. So take a moment just in private, personal confession in, in that quietness of your own mind, and bring those things to God. Whatever it is, lay it before him.
Father, thank you for hearing our our prayers and for even guiding us in our time of confession. Thank you that we can give glory to you in this way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brother. We just gave glory to God. Does that feel good? The confession feels even better. <laughs> but but it, it's, it's, it's how we give glory to God. We recognize that he is greater than I. As we humbly confess, recognizing his authority and lordship over our lives. See, when we confess, we automatically place him higher. Because we say, hey, we messed up and we get it. One of the hardest things for us is in our own pride is to admit that we're wrong, to admit that we've messed up. And that's why when we confess, it gives God glory. For seeking the glory of God alone keeps him greater than I. Giving God glory is to constantly confess. As well, we give God glory when we continually celebrate God. Take your Bible now and turn to Psalm 29. The book of Psalms is about in the middle of your Bible. 29 is right after 28, right before 30. They're all numbered that way. Uh, So Psalm 29, it says this. It's a Psalm of David. David writes, ascribe to the Lord. And whenever you have a capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the word Yahweh, the name of God. Ascribe to Yahweh, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to Yahweh glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory due his name. Worship Yahweh in the splendor of his holiness. To ascribe is to, it really is an encouragement to take action, to speak out, to give praise, to to let it be known. It's like the, the brand, he is greater than I. That's a brand that was created to, <clears throat> to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, that he is greater than I. Boy, you wear that in a t-shirt. People ask, what does that mean? That God is greater than me. You've just proclaimed the glory of God. Matter of fact, go online and find them. You can just type in, he is greater than I, and you can find out. You can order online bumper stickers, t-shirts if you want. Great opportunity to express the glory of God. It's giving Praise to God. Uh, Psalm 96 verse 3 says, Declare the glory among the nations, his marvelous work among all peoples. To declare is to celebrate, to enjoy, to revel in, to applaud, to rejoice, to praise the great things God has done and is doing. And yes, it's looking at the grandeur of the Grand Canyon or the mountain flowers or or the, or the skies and the stars in them. It's Yes, it's looking at those and, and being <clears throat> in awe of the greatness of God. For that what is created does reveal God. But God has also done things in your own life. And we can give praise to God in that regard, uh, to, to praise him for what he's done in us and through us. And so I'd like this morning for us to kind of stop in the middle of our sermon here and, and to sing a song of the glory of God. But after that song... I would love for a couple of you to share some things that you're praising God for. So be thinking about that and we'll say that. But let's spend a little bit of moment uh, singing of God's glory.
Um, I, that, that's the wrong, that is not my gift. <laughs> Annie, or um, I was going to talk to you. Uh, uh, the, the, the worship team is planning. Victor was supposed to come out right there and sing his, his song. I wish I could sing, but <clears throat> well, let's just let's. God is in control. That's right, Annie. Ron, let's have some people share. Let's just spend the time sharing what is. It. We'll we'll just move on. It was a great song, giving glory to God. <laughs> but who? Someone share. Someone share what God has. A, a praise of God is singing glory to God. What is? What's something that you praise God for this morning? Someone. Okay. There's a couple of them. I'm going to go right here first. Janice. Tell us your name, too. Um, well, I don't know. My name's Janice. I, don't, I know quite a few of you here, but not everybody. Um, I'm suffering from cancer, and I've been through four rounds of different kind of chemo. So I've had a lot of ups and downs, but this church has just held me together. All the people I love here, they've been... To my home, they give me food, they take me wherever I gotta go, and I just gives me joy, true joy in Amen. my heart that everybody has been there for me. So I'm, that's where my yeah. joy is. Praise God! Give glory to God for that. Isn't that great? Okay, over here. Tell us your name. My name's Melinda. Oh my goodness, there's a <laughs> lot of people here. <laughs> Sorry. Um, what I'm very joyful about and thankful for, and you know, thank you, Lord, for it is um, I'm pregnant, and it's something that my husband and I had prayed for for a while. Praise God. So um, we're just, we're both very excited. Our family is excited, and it's um, it's been a very wonderful experience, and I'm just very happy. <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That, thank you for sharing that. Over, over, I'll get to you in a second, Rhonda, but I mean, walk over here. Please play. I'm Sheba. Today I'm very thankful for God for uh, giving me two lovely daughters. And uh, the eldest one has her birthday today. Yeah. And uh, I had uh, N number of complications during my whole lot of pregnancy. So I had uh, thrombosis, diabetic, thyroid, a lot of things going on. But still, God worked with me and he gave two healthy babies, which I'm very, very thankful for it. Praise God. Praise God. And we're excited at the at the barbecue. We're going to sing Happy Birthday to uh, to Jonica. I had one up here. We're just going to keep going. Run, run around or something like that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Randa. I'm eternally grateful for this church and my ministry with Grief Share. It's been a tremendous blessing to me for a little over seven years now. Thanks to Carrie and Stephanie, we're the leaders of Grief Share. All right, Thank praise you for God for that. Share. Yeah, lots of praise God for that. Hi, my name is Susan, and um, this is an odd way to say thank you, but my mom just died a month ago. But I am so thankful because she's in heaven, which is awesome. My family has all pulled together, and it is just, it really is a celebration. It's a celebration of life, but it's also a really great reminder of, oh, God, we have this much time left on earth. What are we going to do with it? So I am thankful for my family. I'm thankful for where she is, and I'm thankful because we get to have not just a memorial service, but truly a celebration of life. Amen. Give glory to God for that, our family and all that he's doing for us. Go ahead. Tell us your name. Hi. Uh, my name is Chana. Some of you know me as Luna. 
I would like to say uh, thank you to God for giving me uh, the strength to forgive, to forgive something that really hurtful in my life. And, um, you know, I've been obsessing try to find that forgiveness because I know somebody who can forgive somebody who killed her son and make her become parallel. And I knew her 30 years ago, and I just wonder how can I do that? Finally, in the last few years, God give me miracle, give me strength to forgive. And through that forgiveness, my life, I can, uh, I can experience, I can experience God miracle by, um, you know, God give me, God give, bring life back to my marriage, to my family, and to my, to me. Amen. Give glory to God. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. One last, one more. Oh, Mark. Okay. How come I'm running and you're walking? <laughs> I had to think about it for a while because to me, I don't know what, it, when I was thinking about what Mike was saying is that uh, the only one thing I can always think of to be grateful for, all of you in this church, uh, you know, to me it's like I do feel the prayers in my life in this church, and it made a big difference. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing. Appreciate that. What a, it, it's an awesome opportunity to give glory to God. Uh, and, and what a great way to do that. I encourage you this, you know, between now and Thanksgiving, it, it, it actually, I don't know if you, some of you read my blog. It talks about giving of thanks. When you give thanks, it changes you. And when we give glory, because that, when we do that, it also gives glory to God. It's another way to give glory to God, to constantly celebrate Him. It makes Him greater than I. For, for seeking the glory of God alone keeps him greater than I. Another way to do all we do for the glory of God is to determinately do good works for God. John 15, 8 says this, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. See, to bear fruit is to do the good works of God. Jesus said it is to love our neighbor in Matthew 22, verses Verse 39, but actually in that passage, remember a, a lawyer came to ask Jesus, what's the greatest and foremost commandment in the Bible? And he says, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. And the second is to, is to love the neighbor, your neighbor as yourself. When we determine to do good works for God, it shines out the, the light of his glory. And that's why in your worship folder, we gave you this card. It kind of sticks out. You see it there? It says, Ideas for loving your neighbor at Christmas. Catchy title. And it's in there so that you would notice it. Did you notice it? Okay, it worked. So, but but, they're, but it, they're just suggestions for you to love your neighbor this holiday season. To take some opportunities and really to reach out to your neighbor. And, you know, certainly invite them to the uh, our first ever Christmas tree lighting. I mean, this is the first ever. We've changed the whole front of the church to make it work and it's a fun thing, so I encourage you to invite your friends to that. It's going to be a great opportunity. But there are all kinds of ways to, sh- to, to love our neighbor when we care and show kindness and help and be part of healing and when we're shining out the character of God in our good works. It reveals the, the, the glory of God. Matthew 5.16 puts it this way. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, remember, our job is to make 
the invisible God visible. And we shine him out when we do good works for him. Okay, so now it's time. Take out your little finger light. Okay, take it out. And uh, um, uh, uh, turn it, keep it off right now. Keep it off. So now I'd like, all, let's turn out all the house lights for a second. Don't be alarmed. And uh, my iPad's on. That's not good. Very nice. Okay, so if you are a pastor in our church, or you can be a pastor in any church, or, or one of our elders, I want you to turn your light on. Show it up. Hang it out. Put it up. Put it up. Okay, look. Oh, there's a few of... There's a few glory being shown around. Uh, okay, now, if you volunteer anywhere in the church, elder or anything like that, uh, turn your light on as well. Wow. Look at that. That's a lot of glory of God shining around now. Hey, you can shine around the glory of God. Okay, now everybody else turn on your lights. Everybody turn on your lights. Look at that. Look at that. How cool is that? <clears throat> See, when we all shine out the glory of God, it is Beautiful, isn't it? I mean, look at this. It's like Christmas time in here. It's wonderful. See, when the glory of God is shining out like this, there is such a beauty in that. Okay, can you flip up the house lights? Oh, I know. <laughs> you guys just want to play. Well, you can take these home. You can turn out the lights in your room and shine it on. And it would be great. See, it's the idea about, you remember, remember that song? This little light of mine, I'm going to, yeah, that's the idea about that, that we're to let God's light shine. And, and we do that when we do those good works for him. We let it shine. It's a jump into a ministry somewhere. Lord knows we need your help in our children's ministry because people keep having babies. And we need people to hold babies, and we need people to... There's lots of kids are coming like crazy to our church. We have a great children's program, and they keep coming. And we need people to hang out with them and teach them and encourage them and love them. Jump into that and let your light shine. In our youth ministry and other ministries of that, we need... You can help with Project Joy. One of the ways to let your light shine is do a shoebox or two or ten. Every time that little kid opens that box, the light of Jesus just shines out and beams out. Maybe you could even include some finger lights in there for him, right? <laughs> they actually would love that. Christy, let's put that on the list for our... I mean, so if you don't use yours, I'm taking them. So um, anyways, but or if you have a passport, take your light and go across the border and give out those shoe boxes. And oh my, will you see the light of Christ shine? When those kids receive those gifts and things like that, it's a great way to, to let God's light shine. Be involved in neighboring. We talked about that. Serve somewhere. Um, uh, Faith in Christ Ministries, they're the ministry that feeds all of Ellie that we've been helping in, 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 in uh, earlier years. And we're not doing a turkey pull where we pull off all the turkey meat off the bones here, but we're doing it actually at the site in, in, uh, in West LA uh, area. And we would love for you to go there. There's information, as Annie talked about, in the worship folder. That's a great way to let your light shine. All kinds of opportunities. Work in the office, help, care, participate. To determinately do good works for God where he is greater than I. Now, remember, don't shine the light on you. Look at how good I am. 
I'm serving the Lord and I'm making it happen. It's not about us. And we, the glory doesn't get shined out for God when we do it for self. It's when we do it for his glory because he wants us to. He wants kids helped in the nursery. He wants his light to be shined all around the world to do the good works for him. He is greater than I for seeking the glory of God alone keeps him greater than I. So to give God glory is to constantly confess, to continually celebrate, to determinately do good works for God. But what about every other action? How do we do all for the glory of God? Well, I learned something from a past musician. You can actually learn things from musicians. Uh, they're wonderful. Uh, that, that can bring God glory to all, in all that we do. For when we do, for we can do, we can bring God glory in all we do when we seek to be like Bach. Yes, Bach. Johann Sebastian Bach, a musician and composer born in the 1685-ish, died around 1750. He actually went to the same school Martin Luther did, but much later. Uh, And he longed to let his music, the notes in his music and the instruments, declare the glory of God. He took to heart Colossians 3.17 that says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, Bach agonized over each note and each instrument that would play that note. So they would, the music would express the very nature of God and like light, reveal the character of God. And so as he started each piece of music, and you can go back and see this, he would write a J dot, J dot on his page. Right as, he, as soon as he started, blank page, he write J dot, J dot on the, on the front of his page. Now, people were always wondering, what does that mean? His first name is Johan, so maybe that's Johan. What does J mean? And the, what it stands for is not Johan, but the first J is Jesus, or in Latin, Jesu. And the second word was another Latin word, Yuva. Jesu. Yuva, Latin for Jesus, help. See, before uh, Bach started, he wanted all that he was doing to glorify God. So he just said a little prayer. Lord, help me reflect your glory in what I'm about to do. And we can pray that simple prayer as well. You can pray it in Latin, Yesu Yuva. Or you can play it and pray it in any language. Jesus, help me give you glory. May all that I do reflect your character, show your character, show your brilliance. It's a move where he is greater than I. Where to seek God's glory alone keeps him greater than I. So when you're getting ready to do your list of stuff to do, just write J.J, Yesu Yuva, on top of your page. Or when you're getting ready to give that presentation in your mind, you may not want to write it in there, but just JJ, Yesu Yuva, Lord, help me. When you're getting ready to prepare those things, Yesu Yuva, Lord, help me. At school, at home, at work, with your kids, Lord, help me. Ask God to help you deal with all the different things that you deal with in your life so that what you do may reflect his glory. See, it's an attitude that says, I want to do whatever it takes so that you shine out in all that I'm doing. Not me, but you, Lord. And once Bach had worked tirelessly on his music, 
And when he had felt he had done his best to express God's glory, he wrote down another set of words or letters. He wrote S-D-G. And you can imagine what those stand for. Soli Deo Gloria. For the glory of God alone. To his glory. To God alone be the glory. Bach was not saying, uh, this is my masterpiece. Or that this is what I've done is expressing my greatness. But he did it for the glory of God and God's glory alone. And that's what we should do. As we have gone through all that we've gone through in life, uh, uh, our job, our school, our, our interaction with our family, that we're doing it so that we can write at the end of the day, we've, we've prayed, Yesu Yuva, and now we, at the end of the day, we write down S-D-G, Soli, Deo, Gloria. We've done it for your glory, God. Every note, everything that we've done, we've done for your glory. It's an expression that he is greater than I. For seeking the glory of God alone keeps him greater than I. I love this last psalm that we're going to talk about. Psalm 115, verse 1. It says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Soli Deo Gloria. I hope that's how you're living. He is greater than I. God's glory is all around us. It's in us to shine out. We are created to shine out his glory. So let's do all for the glory of God. Constantly confessing sin, continually celebrating God, determinately doing good works for God, and seeking to be like Bach. Starting each day, each moment, each time with Yesu Yuva, Lord, help me. And ending that with soli deo gloria, God to your glory alone. We would do that. It would change our world. The light of Christ would shine so brilliant. People would flock to the church. What's going on in there? Let's live for the glory of God and the glory of God alone. Not for self. Not to us, Lord. Not to us. Father, thank you the challenge and the started way back 500 years ago with a little monk trying to seek to live for your glory. And Lord, we got it messed up. But yet a movement started then. And we want to continue that movement, Lord, to, to live out your glory. Knowing that we have received this gift of grace by faith alone that we are in Christ alone, trusting in your word alone, and now, Lord, living for your glory alone. May that be a reality in our life, we pray in Jesus' name.